Warning! The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy! So we are recording. So we're here to kind of just uh, talk a little bit about uh, vegan, vegan diets as it relates to those who are extra physically active. We got uh, Ricky joining us again here, kind of take us through the discussion. We're going to kind of go back and forth with some Q&A in terms of how we're going to uh, talk about stuff today. Mm -hmm. um, also, some stuff I'd like to talk to you about are bad diets and okay. um the misconceptions about carbs and just more about like nutrition. Okay. And so there's, and, so we've, uh, I've already, so we, we've already put up some stuff on kind of general concepts about nutrition, uh, both on the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel. And I have a list of other topics that we'll be going through um, as we uh, move forward in the year in terms of the various types of of diets. And so we'll uh, kind of start the conversation and then we'll keep conversation going. This, this is something as we've talked about numerous times is not, uh, hey, let's have a very brief conversation about a very complex topic. Right. Okay. So as you know, I am vegan, completely mm -hmm. vegan and natural amateur bodybuilder who competes. What are your thoughts on the vegan diet as it relates to muscle building and someone who is very highly active so there's two things we have to worry about with veganism in general for the general population one of them is uh, nutrient malnutrition and that's simply because there are certain things that you cannot get from plants and vegetables with without having some sort of animal supplementation. And those are things like your, 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 your vitamin uh, B12s, uh, your creatine, your carnitine, to a certain extent, uh, taurine as well. You can have a, a slight bit of malnutrition on, on the taurine, even though taurine is not as essential for normal metabolic functions as B12 is or as uh, creatine or carnitine happens to be. So that's that's one aspect of the issues that we have to worry about with with veganism. The other issue we have to worry about with with veganism is incomplete protein. So for everybody who's listening on the podcast, we're recording this on the sixth of August, uh, twenty twenty three, and there was a couple of news reports uh, recently about the uh, fruit only vegan dieter that basically that uh, passed away because of malnutrition. Oh wow! I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, and so and so this goes into uh, a lot of the conversations that people have about. Oh well, one of the first things that happens for people who switch to doing a vegetable only or a vegan diet slash lifestyle is this rapid weight loss, and that's simply because the body's going to start to try to draw nutrients away from wherever stores happen to be. And so one of the things that happens with veganism is if you're not very vigilant in your source of foods is having an amino acid deficiency because you're not getting complete proteins. And so uh, thionine is one of the very important amino acids because it's the first amino acid in every protein synthesis that the cell does. And people who don't 
consume large amounts of animal protein tend to have a methionine deficiency or can have a methionine deficiency. There's other uh, amino acids that can be that you can become deficient in if you're not doing uh, the paired plant sources within the vegetarian or within the vegan uh, dietary, I, I guess you can call it for lack of a better term, protocol. And so uh, once again, this is for a, a separate uh, podcast that I'm working on right now about the, the dogmatic principles of diets and the fact that most diets, is, it's, it's following a protocol that you, that you have to do. Hmm. And so those are two issues that we have to worry about for anybody in general that's going to that's gonna follow, follow a, a vegan-style diet. For the highly active person, the other issue that we have to worry about is the need to have enough protein to offset any type of protein degradation, protein breakdown that takes place within the workout. So for me, the only way of me getting in enough protein is if I increase my calories, which, you know, that's something I wouldn't want to do like long term due to, you know, weight gain. So it is very hard to get protein in from like healthy sources. Um, most, most protein that, or no, most things that I get protein from are like fake, you know, like protein shakes, protein bars. Uh, and that's not very like healthy, but. Yes. So there's a, that's where we have a kind of, we get into some of the myths and misconceptions that's out there. Okay. It doesn't really matter where the protein comes from. Okay. Protein is seen as protein. Amino acids are seen as amino acids. The body can't figure out, is that amino acid coming from a plant or is it coming from an animal? Is it coming from a, from a shake or is it coming from a steak? And so when we look at where we're getting the proteins, it doesn't matter where the, pro, where, the, where the source happens to be. It's about making sure that we get all of the essential amino acids and the essential amino acid metabolites that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And so that's where we have to, that's where within the, the whole source proteins. So one of the things that you see with, uh, or one of the old recommendations was to always kind of like pair like a rice with a, with a legume, like mm-hmm. rice and beans, rice and peas, because the, the proteins that we see in the rice and the proteins that we see in the legumes or in the beans or in the peas, they complement each other. And by, by complementing each other within the dietary amino acids, you're ensuring yourself to get full proteins. Mm, okay. But what you're not getting within, within those complements is you're not getting the, the 6 to 20 grams of creatine that you're going to need if you happen to be active and trying to build. So could I use like creatine supplements that are out there? You could, but the problem is that they're not vegan anymore. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen on the market a vegan creatine source. And that's simply because most of the creatine supplementation is coming out there is coming from uh, animal uh, sources in terms of the, the production of it. And so if you're trying to be strict in terms of your veganism, it's very difficult to get that same thing with, with, the, with the carnitine. And mm-hmm. so carnitine is needed for fat metabolism mm-hmm. and transportation of, of, the acetyl fat, of the acetyl fats, the fats that go through beta oxidation, lipid oxidation. 
from the cell into the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. The way in which it gets into the mitochondria is through us- using a carnitine pathway. Mm. And so most of the carnitine that we get is coming from an animal source. And so that's where it becomes very tricky for the person who wants to be strict in terms of their vegan diet to make sure they're getting those, those other sources, the taurine, the, car- the carnitine, the creatine. And so when you're highly metabolically active, you're going to start to utilize and overutilize those uh, amino acid metabolites. Granted, you don't need the you don't need them in super huge amounts, but you need them in, in enough amount that you have to re- you have to replenish it. And so that's where 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 the creatine for people who for like yourself with where you're at within your training within your training cycle, you don't need as much creatine as you needed during the build phase. Right. Okay. But during the build phase, you have to have additional creatine that, that's there. And that's where, for someone that's not following a vegan diet, we can very simply just say, okay, have an have a, a extra uh, white meat chicken during, during the day. And so that will give more than enough creatine to offset what's there. And, and when, we look, when we look at like the, the, the white meat uh, chicken or the, the tuna, white tuna, those tend to have high amounts of uh, creatine within it, but also have, tends to have very low uh, lipid content. And so a lot of times we start looking at, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about the, the calorie and calorie out misconception. And once again, there's a whole other podcast out there that, that Michaela was kind enough to ask some questions about, mm-hmm. um, about calorie and calorie out and the misconceptions that we have as it relates to calorie in and calorie out, mm-hmm. something that I've been talking about for over a decade now that people have finally started to kind of pick up on and I was, was bored the other day and I was scrolling through the, the YouTube uh, feeds and saw someone, oh, like three days ago, calorie in, calorie out is, 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 is uh, a, a fallacy. I don't remember the actual title of it, but it's just like, yeah, I've been talking about that for, for over a decade. And so it's, it's stuff where it's like, once we once we realize that it's about nutrients, not about calories, we can start kind of worrying about the protein for for the person that, that's vegan. And one of the things that the other thing that you have to worry about for for the for the vegan is that iron issue. Right. That can't come out. Because you can offset a little bit of the B12 issue in terms of particularly in terms of the, the red blood cell and the anemia that can come about with with vegans. So you have that vegan associated anemic conditions that can come about with the dark with the, the extra dark leafy green. Mm-hmm. vegetables which tend to have a little bit higher iron content within them to offset some of the iron content that you don't get from not eating um, animal products mm-hmm. but the problem is that the same thing happens for someone that doesn't eat any red meat because the person that doesn't eat red meat is not eating very much iron in their diet either and so one of the things that happened with the with the kind of push away from red meat and there's a reason to push away from red meat for were a couple of things we could talk about that at some point in time here. One of the things that came about was we started seeing anemic conditions with people because they weren't consuming red meat or consuming the dark, dark greens. And the other problem with particularly with with, with vegan people and the vegan diet followers, and I'm kind of mix, mincing words here, and I'm, I apologize from if, if, if um offending anybody that follows a vegan diet with with the euthanisms that I'm using to kind of lump some everybody here 
if you cook those vegetables, the amount of minerals and the amount of vitamins that remain in the foods drops. And so the problem with the dark leafy greens is that they're very kind of bitter to try to eat. And so you just have to kind of like toss a whole bunch of stuff on them to make them palatable. Right. Or you, have, or you have to cook them a little bit. And then when you cook them, you lose a lot of, you lose some of the nutrients that, that you'd be able to get from, from those vegetables that happen to have the, the vitamins, and the minerals that you would, that you need otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now, the nice thing is that you can get with iron, you can get iron supplementation without having to worry about kind of crossing the, the vegan ethical line that some vegans that I've had conversations with do not cross, which mm-hmm. is no, no, no animal product whatsoever. No, no animal product in my clothing, no animal product here, no animal product. And so, so there's some vegans that simply do it for diet that simply follow a vegan diet, <laughs> but then there's other vegans that it's like no animal whatsoever. Right. And so the, and so when we look at the, the vegan issue, as it relates to, to that diet, we have to figure, okay, are you willing to take the supplement or is it something where it's because of, because of ethical standards, you're not even going to be willing to do the, the supplements. Right. Right. Um, I have a following question. Mm-hmm. So since vegans could be malnourished due to the lack of like minerals we get in, what are some of the diseases that could follow? Um, you can have B12 deficiency diseases. Mm-hmm. You can have uh, beriberi issues, which is uh, from uh, nice from I, I have to go back and look at my metabolism books here to be specific in terms of which which B vitamin is, is you're deficient in that I'm confusing between a couple of other diseases. You so people who are malnourished and 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 have restricted diets tend to have metabolism deficiency diseases, and so one of them happens to be like beriberi, which is uh, usually is seen with people who undergo drastic starvation diets. And we'll only be eating, we'll, like, we'll get like portions of rice and water to eat. And one of the things that you'll see with those people is you'll, you'll see them with like bloated stomachs oh. and, they, and they look like they're like, look like they're, like they're well-fed, mm. but their, their bloated stomach has to deal with, with liver issues and backup of fluids and edema and a whole bunch of other things where mm. even though it looks like they're well, they're well-fed, they're not well-fed at all. Mm. And so you get, you get deficiencies with that. Um, like I was talking about with the, once again, we're recording August uh, 6th of 2023. And I believe it was about a week ago, there was the, this kind of influencer that was doing nothing but fruits and water. And she became, exce- she became excessively malnourished. And one of the things you can get, you can't get neurological issues from the malnourishment, particularly <laughs> if you're not getting any of the omega-6s or omega th- omega-3s that you normally would get from uh, eating things beyond plants and vegetables, you can get most of the omega sixes and some of the omega threes from plants and vegetables. DHA, DHA is one of the essential fatty acids that is not very well stocked within most of the plants that we consume. And so, mm-hmm. since we don't get a large portion of DHA from the plants that we would eat, we could become DHA deficient which can become problematic because it is one of the omega-3s that we need in our diet 
for normal hormone and normal normal membrane uh, functionality and building. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of drawbacks with a vegan diet. And, and uh, so there are drawbacks, but there, there's also there also is evidence to support utilizing it as part of a. I guess the best way to call it would be a periodized dietary protocol mm-hmm. uh, where you're not going to, once, once again, so the problem with, once again, I don't want to call it a problem, the, with any of the fad diets, it becomes excessively restrictive in terms of what you eat or don't eat. Right. And it can become to, to, to a certain point antisocial in terms of, in terms of the diet. And so what ends up happening is, and this goes into something that we had talked about a couple months ago as I was telling you about the, the latest book that I'm starting to put together. It becomes where diets become dogma. And just like with most religion and most philosophical principles, you kind of hang out with everybody who kind of agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Because you can go ahead and you can eat all the stuff and you can drink all the stuff and you can have all the all the social interactions without having to worry about, is that this, mm-hmm. is this an, is this a taboo thing? Is this a no, no thing mm-hmm. on, on my diet? I've gone to a number of social events with, with people who follow a, a vegan diet and they have, and they basically barely eat anything at these social events because it's like, okay, it's vegetarian, but they cooked it with, there's like cheese on it. Right. So even most of my like social circle even my family they're not vegan and so i have to cook everything by myself bring my meal prep everywhere i go Mm -hmm. um even if my friends and i go out to eat to a restaurant i can't always like have them go to a vegan restaurant with me i'm the only vegan the restaurant aren't so and and that's and that's that's also where we we get some of the social stigma and so so with, with vegans, there are some health benefits that can't come about, but this at the same time is, is what, what the people don't want to do is that they don't want to feel like they're being preached to by going to, and so they hear all these bad things. Oh, the food is this, or the food is that, and it's not very tasty, and it's not very, because it doesn't have this, and it doesn't have that. But that realizes that you can get some high-quality meals mm-hmm. utilizing vegetables only. I have a cousin's husband is a chef and we've talked a number of times about cooking stuff and he talks a lot about cooking with vegetables and doing a lot of stuff with vegetables and being able to, you don't have to use a lot of meat in order and a lot of quote unquote unhealthy. And then once again, health, healthy food, unhealthy food is a matter of, is a subjective viewpoint. Right. You don't have, you don't, you, you can cook stuff and make stuff taste good mm-hmm. without having to have all of the, the heavy animal protein animal stuff in the diet mm-hmm. so like, like you're talking about like yeah i go out with my friends and it's very hard to find stuff and so um for a very long period of time i was a very kind of to the book follower of a lower carbohydrate diet i'm still a lower carbohydrate person but i'm not as strict as, as what i was and i would go out with family and friends and basically what ended up happening is that i would split my meal with someone that was more of a vegetarian kind of high starch high mm. and we basically would like i would take the extra portion of the the meat and they would take the portion of the starches and the and the other stuff that i wouldn't eat on my that i would not eat 
And so basically what we'd end up doing is we, we would end up splitting up the meals that we would get, that we would order at the restaurant. Mm. Granted, we couldn't tell the, the, the kitchens to do it, but we would do it at the, at the table. Mm. And we, and we did it in such a way where, where the kitchen staff didn't get offended, where we made it look like we were, we were sampling yeah. each other's meals. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 we were able to do that without becoming so onerous on ourselves in terms of, well, I can't have that. And I can't have this. And, and that's where a lot of the, the fad diets start to start to fail is that it becomes so onerous on the person trying to follow the fad that it almost becomes uh, cultish. In, and that's where people like you could tell your friends, oh, we're going to go try this, this really cool vegan restaurant. And if you told me that, I'd say, okay, let's see, let's see what I could eat on, on that, knowing that I don't eat a lot of starches. And so I don't want to get upset in terms of having gastrointestinal issues from having a high starch meal mm-hmm. because I don't have, because I don't have this, it goes into the, to the digestion portion of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm not eating that stuff on a regular basis, the amount of enzymatic action, the amount of enzymes that I produce starts to drop a little bit. Mm. And so when, that's going to cause changes in the, in the microbiome uh, within my intestines, which is going to cause me to have distress. And so, so if you say, hey, let's go to this vegan restaurant, I say, okay, let's take a look at the menu and make sure that I can eat stuff. And so there's a lot of stuff that for someone that follows a, lo- a lower carbohydrate diet, you can do a vegan diet. I have a, a, a former grad, grad school colleague of mine that was vegetarian that did low carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, well, how, how are they doing that? Because low carbohydrate, everybody talk, thinks low carbohydrate, all you're doing is eating butter and bacon and steaks. And it's like, no, you can eat vegetarian and have low carb. It's just, it's, it's, what are the, it's what is the type of foods that you're eating. So that's where you go to the glycemic index within the within the vegetables and the fruits that you're eating and you consume the lower glycemic index foods you consume a lot larger the the fatty nuts the avocados those what you're not eating is you're not eating the watermelons and the and the cantaloupes and the mm-hmm. you know you know you know all of those all of those high high sugar apples and oranges and and those things yeah you're eating your peppers and you're eating your tomatoes and you're eating your your leaf, your leafy vegetables. You're you're eating your nuts and your peas and your all of the all of the the high protein sourced foods. But then what you're doing is you combine that with the lower starched, lower glycemic index fruits and vegetables and grains to make up. So you make once again it goes back to making sure you're not going to malnourish yourself. Mm. Because when I start to malnourish myself, my body's going to try to find whatever nutrients are available within the body itself. So what's going to start doing is it's going to start to pillage the body tissues. And that's where everybody says, oh, I'm going to switch to doing the vegan diet. I'm going to switch to doing the vegetarian diet because I, everybody that I know has done it has lost weight. Well, they've lost weight because they're trying to find the nutrients from somewhere. Um... And, and it goes back to stuff that, um, that I've written on for since 2010 and that's in a couple of the the videos on on the youtube and it's in the behind the paywall on the on the podcast is when you're looking at weight loss what weight loss is is the weight loss you want and so just because i'm losing weight doesn't necessarily mean that i'm becoming healthier it simply means that i'm weighing less 
right? So we want fat loss. We want so so and that's where where fat mass is more dangerous to health than fat free mass. Fat free mass is your organs, your bones, your muscle, your skeletal muscle. Right. Whereas fat mass is basically all of the visceral and subcutaneous adipose tissue. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get super low in subcutaneous adipose tissue, particularly for females, because mm-hmm. of the influence that subcutaneous adipose, subcutaneous fat has on estrogen metabolism. Right, right. But at the same time, we also want to make sure we have some visceral fat because we want to be able to, because most of the visceral fat is found in fat pads. And the fat pads are important because one of the functions of, of lupus, one of the functions of fats for the body is to act as a cushioning agent, to act as a shock absorber. Mm-hmm. And, and what so if you, if we're low on visceral fat because I did get tested for like my body fat percentage and stuff and how much muscle I have and I have very low visceral fat and someone was saying oh it's a good thing you want to have but what you want to make sure is that you do have visceral fat visceral fat is important because it's going to act as a shock absorber mm-hmm. and it's going to protect organs so if you think about it, once it goes back to this is where we have to remember all of our science and physics and stuff that's free floating in your body. So even though you think about like your organs are inside your body, they're actually kind of just kind of hanging out inside your body. And so every time I start moving around, the stuff inside the body is moving in a delayed fashion. And what the visceral adipose is doing, what the visceral fat is doing is it's, it's protecting all those organs from that sudden movement that oh, takes place. But the problem is, is that those, those adipose cells have immune cells in the adipose tissue itself. And when those fat cells start to do a lot of metabolism, where they start to undergo their growth cycle, they trigger those immune cells to also become active. And so we want to have some visceral fat. We don't want to have too much visceral fat because that's where we start getting a lot of the uh, metabolic issues that, come up, that can come about from overfatness. Okay, right. It's important for for some of the sex hormone regulation, estrogen mm-hmm. regulation for females, mm-hmm. testosterone regulation for males, but that's more on the feedback loop within the hypothalamus yeah. and the regulation of LH and FSH mm-hmm. production based off of the inflammatory responses that we might see coming out from the immune cells within the adipose tissue. And so we want to make sure that, the, that there's visceral fat there. If when you have low visceral adipose, you can also have changes in uh, hormonal responses, in, in particular hormonal responses that are that are going to be regulating overall body metabolism. Mm-hmm. And most of these hormones are going to co- head back up into the pituitary, into the hypothalamus, within the cerebral cortex, within the brain. That's going to regulate other hormone production, in particular growth hormone and thyroid hormones, which is going to cause other type of responses in terms of metabolic responses within the body. And so this is where people who have drastic weight swings will start having issues with with resting metabolic rates over time, which is why we when we do talk about diet and metabolism and weight issues, we always talk about never having huge swings in weight. And the reason we never want to have huge swings of weight is because of the fact that we're going to change hormones that are going to change metabolism. But the other thing that happens is, is that the body has a set kind of 
balance point for body weight. Right. And that's due to various hormones coming away from tissues that are expecting load on them. Mm. And it says, hey, I don't have this load. I need this load in order to stay healthy. And so we get get hormones, we get hormones from like bone that will regulate mm -hmm. my intake of nutrients that will make me eat more if I happen to have rapid weight loss. Yeah. So for competitors, since we're on a very low calorie, low diet, high cardio, what tends to happen with the most competitors that I've talked to, they have like right after a show, they suffer from binging, binge eating. And, you know, typically we we go out of competition with a program to slowly increase our calories back up to maintenance. But it's unfortunate yeah. some people have like they're mentally hungry, so they just end up binging and all of that and it's not good no it's (laughs) It's not not good for the body yeah no it's not and one of the things that happens and so this is where we have two things we have to worry about within the the binge eating issues is that we can have issues with people who would who would have eating disorder issues because of just normal physiological issues and then you toss into the fact that they're a competitor and competition adds a, another layer of psychological stuff. Right. 